0: Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for February 18th, the second Sunday of Lent. And today we're looking at the story of the Passover and the CPH Textbook 120 Bible Stories. This is page 54. And this story covers Exodus chapters 11 through 13 in the Bible. So, the Lord has sent Moses to Egypt to tell Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, let my people go. Pharaoh has refused up to this point. His heart has hardened, or God has hardened his heart. We talked about what that means last time. And the Lord has afflicted Egypt with nine plagues so far, along with other signs and wonders worked by Moses and Aaron. And because Pharaoh still will not let the Israelites go, now comes the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, also known as the Passover. So beginning at chapter 11, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, "'Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely.' Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. If you remember before, when Moses first came to Pharaoh, Pharaoh made the work of the Israelites greater to embitter them against Moses. But now, after nine plagues, Moses is great not only in the eyes of the Israelites, but also in the eyes of all of Pharaoh's servants in all the land of Egypt. Chapter 11, verse 4, So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there never have been nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either a man or a beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel." All right, so the Lord declares the last plague in advance. Every firstborn, and firstborn male is what is meant, every firstborn male in the land of Egypt shall die, both man and beast. And yet none of the Israelites will be affected because God will spare them, and God is about to declare the means for how they will be spared. So, picking up at the start of chapter 12, we read, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. So, as the Lord initiates the Passover, He declares that this is the start of the new year. It's a new beginning. Israel is about to become His delivered people, and it starts out with this deliverance from Egypt. So, every time the new year rolls around for Israel, it will be to celebrate their rescue from the land of Egypt. So, the Lord commands each household, or a couple of households if they're small together, to take a lamb on the 10th day of the month and keep it until the 14th day of the month and then all the Israelites are to sacrifice, kill the lambs at twilight that evening. Now, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this but now you have families keeping this kind of cute little knock-kneed lamb or goat around the house for four days' time And while adult sheep, and goats are kind of annoying creatures, little lambs are like puppies and kittens. So once you've gotten kind of attached to this lamb, then its blood is shed at twilight. The Lord continues in verse 7, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Everything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So, once the lamb is sacrificed, then they take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses. Now, the Lutheran self-study Bible says that uh, that this forms the shape of the cross. I don't quite understand how because the posts, the two doorposts, are vertical, and then you have the lintel above. But there is sort of a cross shape in that you have a vertical line or two, as well as a horizontal line. the uh, The lintel. Now, um, certainly. This shed blood of the Passover lamb is, of course, to remind us that Jesus, the Lamb of God, dies in our place for our sin so that our lives are spared from death. The Passover is not just about painting blood on the door, it's also about a meal. The lamb then is taken and it is roasted, head and legs and inner parts and all, in other words, the whole body is kept together, and we know from elsewhere that, that not even a bone is to be broken of, of, this, of this cooked animal. And so that to eat of this lamb and whatever is left over is to be burned before morning. So that when the sun dawns, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no carcass, no body to be found. And the Lord declares that uh, that the meal is to re, to be a memorial, a reminder for them. The blood is a sign for them, and a blo- and the blood is a sign for God as well. So that when He comes through Egypt at midnight, He will spare those inside the homes who whose doors are are painted with blood. One more note about this, at least for now, um, the Lord declares. It is the Lord's Passover. And this is a matter of life and death. So I'm pretty sure that the Israelites follow his directions to a T. They're not going to say, what about beef or fish instead? What if we have some boiled fish or some boiled lamb? Because this is about life or death... They're going to follow God's instructions because it is the Lord's Passover. Likewise, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we don't talk about doing it our way or using our preferred ingredients. We follow Jesus' instructions: bread and wine according to his according to his institution, because that way we know that we are. Uh, Receiving his supper and not some fake meal we've created for ourselves. The Lord declares further in Exodus chapter 12 that the Passover is not a one-time event, but rather the meal is to be a memorial throughout generations. So picking up at verse 14 of chapter 12, This day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly. And on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone will be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall you shall eat unleavened bread. So this meal is to be a reminder of God's deliverance from Egypt. And so the exodus out of Egypt to the promised land is it about to begin. And, of course, Jesus is crucified during the Feast of, of Unleavened Bread. During the Passover, he, our Passover lamb, is sacrificed for our sins um, while attending the Passover feast in Jerusalem. God commands Unleavened Bread because there's no time for the for Leavened bread to rise But leavened bread Bread with yeast Actually originates in the land of Egypt And so leavened bread in the Bible Is is kind of associated with Egypt Unleavened bread with the Passover And with deliverance And even in the New Testament We hear that a little leaven Leavens the whole lump And so their yeast is kind of a sign of, of, um, Of sin creeping in so here the Leavened Bread kind of marks a time of, of, um, of deliverance from God and deliverance, deliverance from evil. As Exodus 12, verse 21 continues, Moses passes, his, passes these instructions on to the people of Israel. And the people of Israel listen to Moses. They listen to Aaron. And they follow the instructions about the Passover. And we read in Exodus chapter 12, verse 29, At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians... And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. So after the tenth plague, Pharaoh at least for a moment, admits defeat. He sends Israel away, and he even asks Moses to bless him before he goes. As chapter 12 continues, the Egyptians heap their treasures, um, their, their jewelry and things upon upon the Israelites, and, and they're they're trying to curry favor with God. And so the Egyptians, after holding the Israelites slave, kind of are self-plundered plunder themselves to uh, to give gifts to the Israelites on the way out the door. And then the Lord um, speaks again about instituting the Passover in chapter 12, verse 43. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it, it shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you, and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. he be Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it, There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. So the Lord adds some more words here about the Passover meal. One is that none of the bones of the Passover lamb shall be broken. That, of course, points to Christ who has no bones broken during his suffering and his death. Also interesting is that this supper is a closed communion. No foreigner shall eat of it. If a foreigner wishes to eat the Passover, he is required to undergo instruction and all the males of his house must be circumcised. So this is not a meal where the visitor is automatically welcome. There's there's a buy-in, if you will. Um, The one who celebrates the Passover and rejoices in God's deliverance is to, uh, is to conform to, to God's word. The Lord also commands Moses at the start of, of chapter 13, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. And the Lord will go on in verses 11 and following to talk about how if, a, if an ox or a lamb or a goat, if a, if, if a male ox, goat, or lamb um, is the firstborn uh, to its mother, then that animal is to be sacrificed to the Lord as a reminder that the Lord spared the firstborn sons of Israel. That offering is given in thanks to God for that. God also says that if a donkey is born, since donkeys are are far rarer than sheep and goats and oxen, you don't have like herds of donkeys around, but they are useful beasts of burden, God says that you can redeem the donkey and keep it alive by sacrificing a lamb in its place. If you don't do that, then you have to break the donkey's neck, so you want to redeem the donkey with the sacrifice of a lamb. Verse or chapter 13 verse 17 concludes when Pharaoh let the people go God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines although that was near for God said lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So as the Israelites leave Egypt, they are not aimless. The Lord has delivered them He spared the lives of of the firstborn by the shedding of the blood of the Passover lamb. And now he leads them forth visibly present in that pillar of cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night. That way they can travel by day or night because the Lord is providing light for them in the darkness. All right, this is a, a, a story that is full of types of Christ. The story points to Jesus in all sorts of ways. Of course, Christ is our Passover lamb. Because his blood is shed, we are delivered from bondage to sin, from death, and from the devil. Now, the Passover points to Christ sacrifice for us on the cross, It also points to Christ in the Lord's Supper. The lamb, the Passover lamb, was sacrificed and then it was eaten. Christ, who died for our sins, now gives us himself, his body and blood, in the Lord's Supper to keep us as his people. And, of course, this meal is for God's people, which is why we practice closed communion. As the foreigner had to go, undergo instruction and circumcision before taking part in the Passover in the Old Testament, we ask visitors to Good Shepherd to undergo instruction before they partake of the Lord's Supper here lest they incur judgment by receiving Holy Communion in an unworthy manner. The Passover lamb was to be a male without blemish. This pointed to Jesus, the Son of God, born of Mary, who was without sin. The Passover lambs Bones were to be kept unbroken, pointing to Jesus who, despite his immense suffering for us, did not suffer any broken bones. When the sun rose after the Passover, there was no trace of a dead body, no carcass of the lamb left. And of course, this foreshadows the resurrection of Jesus three days after the cross, when the tomb is empty, when there is no body to be found, because Jesus lives again. While God spares the firstborn sons of Israel by having a lamb sacrificed in their place, we once again note that to save us, God does not spare his only begotten son. We've had this theme before when God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And then at the last minute, when Abraham has the knife raised, God spares Isaac in the place of a ram with its horns caught in a thicket. The message there was in part, I will spare your son, Abraham, but I will not spare my own son for the salvation of the world. Likewise, while God spares firstborn sons in Egypt with the blood of the Lamb, he allows the blood of Jesus to be shed for our salvation. Jesus gladly accepts identification With the Passover Lamb. Notably, in John chapter 1, I believe it's verse 29, John the Baptist identifies Jesus by saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It may not sound like the best public introduction for the Messiah. You might want, you know, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah who's going to conquer. But from the very beginning of his public ministry, Jesus is identified as the lamb, the one who sheds his blood to uh, to take away our sins. We will also note briefly that as Jesus calls for the consecration of the firstborn by sacrifice, that command shows up early in Jesus' life in Luke chapter two. That's why Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple when Jesus is forty days old to we'll obey that command and to sacrifice in order to uh, to consecrate the firstborn. So, according to the law, Jesus is redeemed by a sacrifice when he's forty days old. And then, of course, he goes on to redeem us by sacrificing himself on the cross. A couple of uh, verses from the New Testament, along with John the Baptist declaring of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hebrews 11.28 declares, By faith Moses kept the Passover, and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So again, a declaration that the blood of the, of the lamb protected the lives of the firstborn. And this is a great reminder of Martin Luther's famous Easter hymn, Christ Jesus lay in death's dark bands where we sang See, his blood now marks our door. Faith points to it, death passes o'er, and Satan cannot harm us. Hallelujah. Or as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So, every year, the people of Israel were to celebrate the Passover to remember that God had delivered them from Egypt by the blood of a lamb. In doing so, whether or not they understood, they were not just remembering the past, but they were remembering God's promise of the future that one day the Messiah would come and save them as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we do it according to Jesus' institution, we remember that as the Lord saved his people at the Passover, so he has saved us by the blood of Jesus at the cross, and now gives us Jesus' body and blood in this Holy Communion. And that's why it's most fitting in the liturgy to sing, O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us, and grant us your peace. All right, that's a quick look at the story of the Passover in Exodus chapter 11 11 through 13. God grants you every good gift as you meditate upon this further. God grants you every blessing if you're teaching this to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.